Hello, KM family, and welcome to the Kingdompreneur Mentor Podcast, where listeners experience God's unfair advantage in life and business, hosted by Reggie Flowers. Kingdompreneur Mentor supports the development of faith-based entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs by helping them to dismantle their struggles and gracefully build a life of fulfillment and success while honoring God. We exist to provide you with the evidence that faith plus skills times belief equals disproportionate increase in your life and business. So whether you're listening in your office, kitchen, car, or on the treadmill at the gym, thank you for trusting us with your ears as we continue to strive to maintain that trust. Thank you, Shannon, for that wonderful introduction. Hello and welcome, Kingdompreneur Mentor family. This is Reggie Flowers. I'm excited to have you here. If you're joining us for the very first time, we are blessed to have you. If you're returning as a subscriber, we are so grateful to God for your participation, your support, your likes, your comments, your donations. Truly are going to an amazing initiative with the Kingdompreneur Mentor mission and his vision. Check this out. We are really in for an unbelievable conversation today. And I want to make sure you get the most out of this conversation because for many of you who commit to what I'm going to share, what I'm going to outline, it is going to radically change your 2023, the outcome, the outlook, and also your experience and relationship with God. So if you're ready for that, please comment below, I'm ready. Because for those of you who are ready, you've been seeking, you've been yearning. And what I've learned is that what you're seeking is also seeking you. And so you're not here by accident. It's all intentional. But while we're here together, we're going to learn together. We're going to grow together. We're going to experience God's unfair advantage today together. And so while we're working in collaboration, I want to make sure that you're in a quiet location so you don't miss anything. Make sure you take notes. We're going to have some of the chapters outlined in the description below so that you can go back and reference this information. But this will be a conversation that you're going to want to replay and also really take the time to digest it and also internalize it and then put it into practice. So what is all the hype about? What's the excitement about? Well, we're going to jump right into it. Remember, this month's theme is building faith under pressure. And that's really been our outlook. I discussed the journey of Kingdompreneur and the parking lot evangelista and being in a really, really critical place in my life where I needed something to break loose, shake loose, right? You are probably in that same position. Whether you're ascending, whether you're in process, or you're in the very beginning, we're all in a place that there's desires that God has placed within us. And it's like, how do we navigate the world? How do we navigate our relationship with God, how do we seek, you know, moving through Jesus as our Savior to get to exactly what it is that we know that we're supposed to be doing. And I realized that oftentimes some of our strongest Christians are stuck. They're in a holding pattern and they're unsure as to why they're in the holding pattern. And there's a multitude of reasons. However, we're going to outline a formula today that's going to allow you to really experience God's unfair advantage both in your life and in your business. And business can be defined as an entrepreneur, you're working as a leader within an organization, or you may be an entrepreneur where you're developing and creating organizations. It does not matter. What does matter is your relationship with God and you experiencing his unfair advantage. So today's conversation is the formula to God's unfair advantage in your life and business. What I wanted to do in order for us to really begin outlining this conversation and making sure that you get the most out of today's conversation is really to just focus on three key points. We're going to discuss the problem, we're going to discuss the solution, and then we're going to discuss how to implement it. Problem, solution, implementation. Simple. What won't be simple is you working through however you're wired to take in this information. What's not simple is that you're getting this formula so the enemy's not going to be very happy that you're getting access to this. So don't be surprised that there may be attacks that are coming, okay? And please understand, throughout this, I'm going to be drinking my favorite water, water Fiji. 
so that my throat doesn't get perched as we're going on. Let's start with the problem. Why am I not experiencing God's unfair advantage in my life and business? I'm attending church regularly, I read the word regularly, or I'm irregular, I am inconsistent. Sometimes it's easier to understand when you're inconsistent why you're not versus being consistent, showing up to church, being faithful to your church, being faithful to your church communities, serving in your church or the church's community. And you're saying to yourself, I'm struggling to pay my bills or my relationship, my marriage is rocky. I'm struggling to get my children to be obedient. I'm just in this place of struggle. And this form is going to help you harness the struggle extract the value you need out of it, and then allow God to come in, intervene, and step in and guide you to your next destination. If you're ready for that again, I want you to type in the comment section, I'm ready. Because we have to be ready for this. We have to be ready to accept this and embrace it in order for it to materialize in your life. So let's start with the first part of the problem, your value system. So oftentimes, when we look at our relationship with money, our relationship with um, our husband or our wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, our relationship with our fitness, our faith, starts all with our value system. That is your moral code that you've developed from the time you were born until now. Things that are right, things that are wrong, it is what you value, what you deem as just or unjust. And often we don't take the time when we become adults to challenge that value system to determine if it's beneficial to us, both in our spiritual and in our physical realm of living. The second part is unbelief. We understand disbelief. Disbelief is the opposite of believing, right? So something that's no longer a fact is just disbelief. It's not even a question. You don't question it. You don't think about it. Disbelief is Someone trying to tell you that the sky is green. You know for a fact that the sky is not green. And they say, well, look at it. And you're like, it's blue. It's the disbelief. There's nothing that can change that because it's a factual disbelief. However, unbelief is those micro um, separations from your belief in God. Doubt. Questioning. You know, or misunderstanding. When you have unbelief, faith cannot exist there. Fear can, worry can, hesitation can, but not consistency, faith, understanding, truth, trust. So when you're in a place of unbelief, you're separating yourself from God. And I'm here to let you know, it is not all your fault because the world we live in today especially in the Western Hemisphere, is targeted to create unbelief. And then thirdly, the consensus. What majority of people who are appearing to what they follow or what they believe. We often fall into this rut of just following the consensus. I mean, think about it with politics. Often you go to vote on candidates that you've done no research on. But you're voting for that candidate based on what everyone else is saying, what appears to be fact, what appears to be right, what appears to be accurate to you. But you didn't take any time yourself, per se, to vet that, to ensure that the information you've received is credible. We assume because of who's saying it is credible. So the consensus oftentimes plays a role in how we make day-to-day -day decisions, but it also plays a significant role in how we make our spiritual decisions. We often look at what celebrities are saying, entertainers, people of influence, people who are positioned in high order. We will listen to what they say, even though we don't personally know them. We don't know if they're telling the truth. We don't know if they're being paid to share this information. But because we're eager to trust outwardly, we never take the time to trust inwardly and really establish a relationship with God so that we're trusting the word so we can better discern. What I want to do now is I'm going to play two clips. And the first clip is going to come from Stephen Frey. Now, some of you know him as a comedian, 
as a author, you know, the British um, comedian. And in this clip, you'll see how the enemy uses someone with influence in the media, in the world, to poke holes and create doubt in God. Take a listen surprised to Surprised by the reaction. Absolutely astonished, Colin. I don't think I mentioned once any particular religion, and I certainly didn't intend, and in fact, I know I didn't uh, um, say anything offensive uh, towards any particular religion. I said quite a few things <laughs> that were angry at this supposed God, um, but I, I, uh, I was merely saying things that Bertrand Russell and many finer heads than mine have said for hundreds of years, going all the way back to the Greeks. Um, Some people have been pointing out very similar to what C.S. Lewis said before he became a Christian. Yes, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem of Pain as well when he was a Christian. How can this creator, who is apparently benign, um, cause the one I chose was bone cancer in children? Even if you believe conveniently now that Darwin has existed, that God sort of wound up the clock and started evolution. You even say, well, if he knew everything and could do everything, why would he allow such monstrous cruelty? And that's all uh, the only point I was making. Um, I, uh, I was astonished that it has caused so viral an explosion on, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, and um, very grateful to uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who apparently uh, said the other day that uh, uh, I had every right to say what I said, and uh, I should hope I do. And I'm, I'm most pleased, I think, that it's got people talking. Did you hear that? Isn't that disgusting in many ways? Questioning God? Being, how he has so much certainty that there isn't a, a God, and he used an example that's so unfair, but what this example does, and it's important for us to get this because the enemy is very tactical on how he's going to attack you psychologically. He used the example of children getting bone cancer. Now, if you are not certain about your relationship with God and God's word and Jesus is our savior, if you're not certain about that, you're going to have... He's, he just created doubt. And in that doubt, he tied it to a very emotional topic. You see this defenseless child who is meek and, you know, they're unaware of what's going on in the world. They're harmless. You envision that in your mind when you hear a child getting bone cancer. Now, by all means, I am not advocating that it's okay for children to get bone cancer. I am not. But I also understand that we serve a God that some things are going to be beyond our understanding. However, I did want to come into statistically looking at the numbers because he made it sound as if God is giving or allowing all children to have bone cancer. Now, he didn't say that, but that's how you're going to internalize it. Like all children can get bone cancer. But statistically, let's just look at the United States. There are 73 to 74 million children under the age of 18 right now as of 2023 in the United States, based on the consensus. And so, he stated, it also statistically shows that 2 to 3% of cancer patients, children, cancer patients, 2 to 3% of them get bone cancer. So that means if there's 20,000 children with cancer a year, Two to three percent of those children will receive bone cancer based on scientific statistical analysis. But when you heard that, did you break down that roughly less than 400 children will experience this unfortunate health risk? No, you saw a broader vision saying, why would God allow this broad issue to happen? That is how the enemy works. I have a second clip that I want you to listen to. Ricky Jarvis, listen to him. He is what they refer to as an agnostic atheist. Now, many years ago, you were just an atheist. You denounced God. You didn't believe in God. Now you're agnostic, which means a more general approach, a softer approach. Listen to what he's saying, and then I'm going to circle back. Outside science and nature, I don't believe so. Because the, the interesting thing is, th this is the thing, right? So... I'm an agnostic atheist, technically. Agnost agnostics um, mean it means 
no one knows whether there's a God. So everyone's technically agnostic. We don't know. That's true. So that's true. an agnostic atheist is someone who doesn't know there's a God or not, as no one does. So you're not convicted of your atheism. Well, I am. Sure. No, I am, because atheism is only rejecting the claim that there is a God. Atheism isn't a belief system. Mm -hmm. Atheism. So this is, this is atheism in a nutshell. You say um, uh, there's a God. I say, can you prove that? You say no. I say, I don't believe you then. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you believe in one God, I assume. Uh, in three persons, but go ahead. Okay, so you believe... Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but there, there are about 3,000 to choose from that have been, you know, people who believe in... I've done time. some reading, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so basically, you believe in... You, you, you deny one less God than I do. You don't believe in 2,999 gods, and I don't believe in just one more. Right. Do you, do, you, uh, do you ever have a feeling of great gratitude for existence? I love, of course. Do you I, ever have I a... Know, I know, I know the have... chances are yeah. billions to one that I am on this planet as me and never will be again. And I know I can't uh, convince you that there, there is a God, nor do I really want to convince you there's a God, but no. I can only explain my experience, which is that I have a strong desire to direct that gratitude toward something or of someone. Of course, no, of yeah. course. And that but thing is that thing is God. We're more. We don't. We want. We want to make sense of nature and science, and, we, and it's too unfathomable that that everything in the universe was once crunched into something smaller than an atom. But you don't Three, know that. Well. <sighs> You're just believing but, Stephen but not, Hawking, but, and that's a matter well, of faith in his abilities. Yeah, that, yes. You don't know it yourself. You're accepting that because someone told you. Yeah, well, but science science is constantly proved all the time. You see, if we take something like any fiction, in any holy book, in any other fiction, yeah. and destroyed it, yeah. okay, in a thousand years' time... Okay, so did you see what he did? Now, Ricky and Stephen are going back and forth. Stephen is... I would say 50-50 debating this. He's not stepping into the word. He's not stepping into scripture to really back him, right? He's having a general debate. He's having a, what you would call agnostic Christian debate, <laughs> okay? Or agnostic Catholic debate. And that becomes very challenging when you don't stand firm in your belief, right? Because then you can call be called into question. See, we may be able to debate about financial data, health data, like there's certain things that we can debate, but there's certain things that we really can't, which is the word. It is law. It is solid. It is what it is. But what he did in there is that he spoke with such certainty about science. Science. And then when Stephen said, but you don't know if the world really began with just an atom. You heard it from someone else and you believed it. See, he chose to place his belief into man while we choose to place our belief into our Lord and Savior and then ultimately God. It's a choice. But both parties in this very conversation aren't referencing evidence. They are referencing their belief. And so, but when you hear this from the audience standpoint, there's 14 million people that saw that clip. And it created doubt in those who are uncertain. And that moves them further away. And so this is also the problem, how the enemies use in the media to create doubt. And when doubt comes in and then you begin to suffer and life begins to happen, you don't seek God first. You don't find comfort in God. You find comfort in self. You find comfort in man. You find comfort in trying to find your own solutions. And then you become disgruntled when things aren't working out as you would hope they were because your perspective is skewed. Mark Twain has a really great quote. And he says, I never allow my schooling to get in the way of my education. You have to ask yourself, are you being schooled or are you getting an education? Let's continue. I'm going to step into 1 Peter 4.19. So if you have your Bible nearby or you have your Bible app, go ahead and get it out. We're, we're going to go into 1 Peter 4.19. And, I, and I, it reads, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's look into this in depth because 
there's real value here that we're going to extract. Now, I know sometimes when I'm sitting in church and I don't have the deep understanding of a scripture, I hear it high level, but until I spend some time with it and then how to implement it, there's a gap there. And what we're going to be doing here at Kingdompreneur Mentor is bridging the gap from the intellectual and bridging it to the instinctive so you can produce fruit in your life. The first thing I want you to know is that God doesn't disconnect suffering from the Christian who's doing good. Part of God's will is for us to suffer. Now, you may ask, why does he want us to suffer? That can be a great question, or you don't have to answer the question if you trust God implicitly. But let's just say that you're kind of in the middle where there is some distrust, some unbelief. Why would he want us to suffer? Well, there's two primary reasons that suffering is beneficial across the, the world. The first one is, is that through your suffering and getting through that suffering with the right relationship with God, there's a testimony about how God brought you through it. When I was suffering economically, or when I was suffering watching my spouse deal with leptomeningeal disease, which is, brain, which is cancer in the spinal fluid, going around the brain and around the spine, right? Ongoing. There's nothing they can do about it. There's a testimony. For me, that testimony was I entrusted God implicitly. I was not fearful. I was not angry. I was understanding because he blessed me with her. And then he also has the right to take her from me. And then what God's done is he's also brought me another wonderful bride. And he allowed me to continue my life in my new marriage, continuing to raise the children from a previous marriage in a great environment because I entrusted my, taught my soul to him as a faithful creator, as stated here. See, when he is faithful, God has promises. So we're not asking you to trust God blindly. We're not asking you to be mindless. We're saying that he has order, he has structure, he has governance. And if you understand and stand firm in his promises, you stand firm there, they will come to pass. So you don't have to be blind about it. He makes it clear in the previous verses that it isn't talking about just any kind of suffering either. You have the suffering that comes from God's will and you have the suffering that comes from sin. So I want to back into what I just said about the, the two areas. So the first area was going to be entrusting in God. The second type of suffering is the suffering that's designed to help you grow the refinement suffering, to help you improve your relationship with God's suffering. Oftentimes, God will set us still. He'll put us in time out. He will remove the distractions. He will remove things that, are, that you're finding more faith in than him to establish in a relationship. And I remember in my business back in 2011, I was flying high in network marketing. Things were going well. Production was great. Traveling, speaking, Full of self, for sure. And then it just slowly over a 90-day period of time just came to a complete stop. And I was baffled. Like, what just happened here? Like, this shouldn't be happening to me. And when I look back on that experience, I was no longer seeing the God in me, the God in my business. I was just seeing me and me and me in my business. And he removed that to set me still and also to redirect me and put me on a different trajectory. So there was suffering there. There was economic suffering, emotional suffering, but it was to the good. And out of that suffering came a book I wrote called The Art of the Struggle, The Five Incontrovertible Laws for Transformation, Success, and Fulfillment. I wrote about how to harness that struggle had I not gone through that struggle or that suffering, I would not have written that book. And I also wouldn't discuss how I reconnected spiritually with God. And I was focused on my relationship with my Savior, Jesus Christ, and just really wanting to be the absolute best moving forward. So if you're in either one of those sufferings, which is you're going through it to bring people closer to God or you're going through it right now for him to help grow you and expand your capacity and expand your ability. You have to be grateful. 
Because once you unlock gratitude in those seasons of suffering, then you are also demonstrating to God that you're raising your faith muscle, that you're faithful to, that he's faithful to you, and therefore his promises that he has over your life will come to pass. Okay, so now we're going to step into point two, the solution. And we, you've heard about this formula. What is the formula, Reggie? You keep mentioning the formula. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's faith plus skills times belief equals your unfair, God's unfair advantage in your business. Faith plus skills. So we're going to have to equip you with some new skills times belief. And belief and faith are not the same. And we're going to discuss that. But what does this equate to, which is also important, an unfair advantage with God? And ultimately, we want you to have that unfair advantage with God. Because when that relationship is solid and you are truly aligned, there are just going to be some tremendous benefits that come from that. Now, although we don't have enough time to dive into all the benefits, just know that some of the ones that we cover, you're going to want to just get your hands on to anyway. And then as we continue our relationship, we're going to expand on this conversation. This is just not a quick call, quick conversation type discussion. No, we could spend months on this discussion really helping you refine your relationship with God. So let's start with faith. That is something that we have to start. So we have faith, skills, belief. We're going to begin with faith. We need to break down faith. We need to really understand faith. And I want to spend a little time. Number one, did you ever realize there's really two definitions to faith? There's the dictionary version, and then there's the version that's in the Bible. And I want to point out there's some distinctions there. There's some distinctions between the two. So let's start with the Oxford version. Complete trust in someone or something. Most people, that's where their level of faith is in God is right there. And it's not even complete trust. They have some trust, an ounce of trust in something or someone. But they have total trust in politicians. They have total trust in their local law enforcement. They have total trust in all the things that God created, but never the creator. It's kind of the universe. People were like, I pray to the universe, Reggie. I'm seeking the universe. I'm hoping that the universe blesses me. And I often ask them, who made the universe? And they'll say, God. And I'm like, well, why do you pray to the creation and not the creator? Right? There's so much confusion because the universe sounds less intrusive than saying God. God just ultimately sounds so huge in people's minds that they can't obtain or even discern the fact that there's something that could even be like that. No, it's God. Pray to God. Okay. The second definition you'll find from Hebrews 11.1, 1, the, the substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to say that one more time. The substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not seen. That's where Paul is defining the scripture right there and then and defining um, is it Peter or Paul? Paul. I want to make sure I get that right. If I made a mistake, put it down in the comments and correct me. I don't have no problem with that. But substance, that word in the scripture, what does it mean? The substance. A synonym for substance in this context is assurance. Another synonym for assurance is promise. So the promise for the things hoped for, that desire, what you're seeking in a certain outcome. And we don't have time to go into outcomes because obviously like if you have someone that's sick in your family with a life-threatening illness and obviously you want them to live. But the true faith means that I know that God will either heal them here or he'll bring them home and heal them, right? That is the difference between allowing your faith in God as the creator versus God, I need you to do this for me versus God, do what it is that you've called it to your will to be done. And I trust that. That is the big differentiator for so many people and why they fall short in their walk with Christianity is because self supersedes God and that messes everything up. 
Hope without conviction is meaningless. You have to be convicted. So in that time, if you go down to evidence, another synonym in this context for evidence is conviction. It hasn't, it hasn't presented itself just yet, but you unequivocally know that you know that you know God's promise is firm. It is something you could take to the bank. It is monetizable. It is insurable. It is solid. When you are convicted, then you have you will come to see the things that have not been seen. They will come to pass, but you have to be convicted. But if you're just hopeful and unconvicted, it's not going to come to pass. And therefore, you're going to believe that there's no reason for you to have faith. And when you have no faith, then you're just floundering in the world. And guess who's going to scoop you up? The enemy. That's his whole objective. So you have to really get rooted in what it really means to have faith. Now, you may say, well, Reggie, how do I build this faith muscle? Stick around to the very end. And we're going to talk about some of the key implementations that you can use to build that faith muscle. Now, the next part of the formula Skills. What's the definition of skills? Is the ability to do something well. Not semi-well, kind of good, but do it well. Do it with a level of excellence. Okay? Excellence. I have a handful of skills that you want to add to your toolbox in equipping you to build your unfair advantage experience with God. The first one is discernment. The ability to judge well. Most of us have failed with this skill, judging well, determining character, determining circumstance, determining risk, the ability to judge those attributes well, ultimately will determine the destiny in which you walk in. So you have to work on this skill set of becoming more knowledgeable, extracting knowledge from those who are ahead of you so you can gain wisdom, so you can discern better. The second one, Patience. Now, this was a struggle for me. I don't know if it's a struggle for you, but the capacity to accept and tolerate delay. Woo! Listen, this is the 20th century, the 21st century, excuse me. We don't like delay. We get our information now. We get our food now. We get into relationships now. We can have sex now. We can drive fast now. We can travel now. Like Everything is now. There is no delay. There is no delay gratification anymore. So to come back and build a, a muscle of patience against a world that's contradicting the need for patience. But patience is going to be important. The third component here is healthy internal communication. The conversation you have in your head ongoingly is a clear indicator with your relationship with your holy, with you know, our Holy Father. It really is. And so that internal conversation and the vocabulary that you choose to use with those words are truly the life that you speak in your head or the death of it. But you have to improve the vocabulary and the selection of words to address a different conversation. And I promise you, you will get a different outcome. Holy Spirit, navigating like that is our internal GPS. And if you're unable to hear it and identify with it. Here are some small indicators. Oftentimes, Holy Spirit is the first thought you have. That's why the world said, I should have went with my first mind. That's what the old people, older people used to say. And if you're a baby boomer, I mean no disrespect. But I'm saying even before the baby boomers, that used to be a saying that my grandmother would say, I should have went with my first mind. That's cold for Holy Spirit. Today's time is, I should have went with my intuition. Right. And then we always want to place that only women have intuition. The facts are that what they're feeling, identifying with is Holy Spirit navigating them. And men, we have it, too. We just have to be ready to receive it and not be so bullheaded or fixed mindset that we can't accept it. But Holy Spirit will guide you and help navigate you. And it does not mean that everything's supposed to be rosy and nice and fun. No, what it means is, is that I'm governed by God and I want to follow the will and the path that he's guiding me on because he knows the outcome. See, if you're going to go through the jungle in the savannah, right? Or excuse me, that's the desert, but into the savannah desert. 
And I was just looking at a show today about the elephants in Zimbabwe, right? And they had to travel like a long way. I can't remember exact distance to get to a pool of water, a body of water. And they are truly that once one has no found the way, they memorize that way. And so there's a guide. If you had to go hundreds of miles to find water, would you want to go with someone who knows the way, can lead the way, and show the way? And that is God. So even though you don't know, you, you, you're entrusting it into a different realm, you have the physical option or the, the spiritual. Most people choose the physical, and that's where they fall short. They never elevate their thinking to get into the spiritual, and that's what Holy Spirit is there for. The next attribute is leadership. You're going to need to have some leadership skills, the ability to influence others, to guide others, to persuade others, especially if you want to help them establish relationships with Holy Spirit and build a relationship with God. You have to be a leader within your organizations, leading an organization. You need to be a leader. And so God favors the bold. Leaders are bold. It doesn't mean that you have to be the leader, but being a leader in your lane, a leader in your realm is essential. Another skill says adaptability, the ability to be flexible. When we become too rigid, it becomes very challenging for the mind because the mind wants to be right. So the ability to remain open and flexible is essential, especially if you're going to entrust God because your knowledge, your experience is very limited as opposed to God who's been here since the beginning, there's a lot more knowledge, a lot more wisdom, a lot more understanding. But oftentimes we can become so arrogant that we want to question God and think that we have a better way. And the last one is desire. To long for, to ask for, or to demand. Having a strong desire is a skill set because some people, they've been beaten up so bad that they are afraid to desire. They're, they're afraid to ask. They're afraid to long for a better life, a better relationship. I mean, improving their relationship, improving their health, improving their relationship with God. People are now afraid because the world has they've allowed the world to beat them down versus establishing the best person you can have in your corner, the best father you can have in your corner which is a partnership and relationship with God to help combat all that. See, when you don't have the protection of God in your life, you're exposed to so much. And that exposure, you can only handle so much. You need God to step in and, and def deflect and, and return and destroy and go to work bat for you. But if you won't go to bat for him, then how can you expect him to go and bat for you? And now we're going to talk about belief. And this is important because once you develop some skills and the necessary skills, we got to lock it in and solidify it with belief. We can't be in unbelief. We have to be in radical belief, fanatical belief. Belief by definition, an acceptance that a statement is true or something exists. When you believe something, you do not question it. If you believe right now we're having a conversation, you do not question it. If you believe that this is a video you're watching, you do not question it. What you may question is where the video is taking place, who is behind the camera or not, or how it's recording. Those are things that you can't have firm belief in because it may not be fact for you. Why People often try to assume that both faith and belief are the same. But remember... Faith is enduring in the season of when there's doubt, when it's, when it's not fact, when it is not solidified, right? That's faith to, to be able to stand firm and entrust in that time. While belief, there is evidence, there is fact, but you have to be careful with your belief because your belief is, your belief is true to you. And you want to make sure that that belief is accurate because if you are believing things that are not beneficial to improving your quality of life, improving your relationship with God, then ultimately when you look forward and you get to the future from now, you're stepping into a destiny that you don't want because your belief was skewed 
And we looked at some clips on how it could be skewed from the media, how it could be skewed from certain friendships, it could be skewed from certain dating relationships, right? Allowing people's baggage to come into you and, and drop it off into your suitcase can skew your belief. But ultimately, you don't have to believe in people. You don't have to believe in the government. You don't have to believe in the uh, your psychologist, your psychiatrist, you know, and please, please, please don't believe in someone who's reading your palm, right? You don't have to believe in that. But what you can believe in is God's word and his promises and his commitment. And you just have to get fit mentally and spiritually to, wit uh, to witness by unlocking those benefits. Let's go to Mark 11. 24. Take a moment right now. Get your phone out. Get your computer, your Bible. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I'm going to give you a second right now to get that because this is going to bring everything together for you. We're almost done. I appreciate your time and giving me your undivided attention. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Did you feel that? Let's just look at some of the words. Desire, pray, believe, receive, have. Okay? Now, what the scripture doesn't tell you is that if your faith is weak, you're not aligned, you're in sin, you can, you can read the scripture over and over and over again, but it will not bear fruit. But when you have radical faith, the skills that help you get aligned and the discipline to be aligned, and a deep belief, then this scripture comes to life. It, be, it comes to life. And I say unto you, what things? So what are the things? The things could be love, food. Housing, travel, business, charitable, charitable donations, the vision God has in you. Those things you can have when you pray. And if you go into the, evangel uh, the parking lot evangelista part one, I talk about praying consistently. So you need consistent prayer. Now the scripture doesn't say that. I'm here to tell you that is that gap that we're helping. You had to be consistent now, you don't have to keep asking for the same thing, but you have to keep communicating to God and reminding him of his promises consistently. And you have to believe that you can receive them. See, if your self-worth is too low, the things that you may desire, but you don't believe you can receive them, you're incongruent. So not only do you need to believe, but you need to also believe that you're worthy of it. And you, how do you become worthy of something that right now you may not feel you're worthy of? Well, first off, you have, to ask, you have to ask yourself this question. Why am I not worthy of it? If other people are worthy of it, if other people have obtained it and are experiencing it, why not me? Why not? And God is telling you in his promise, you will have them. Now, he didn't say when. He didn't say how frequent. He didn't say the date. But the promise is you will have them. So if you're consistent and faithful to a faithful creator, it will produce a faithful outcome. Listen, it's not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. It's really not. It's just personal development. You have to grow through this. Okay. And then point number three. How do I make the adjustment? Let's see how much time we got here. Okay, so we're doing good. And again... I am grateful for the time that we're spending together. And I just want to make sure that the camera is still rocking and rolling. Right? This is all remote right now. How do I make this adjustment? First thing you have to do is raise your standards. Okay? So a standard is what's normal to you, what's the norm, the average. Give an example. If your current standard is when you get home from work, you eat, you say hello to your family, you sit down with your family, maybe for a moment, do you watch TV? If that's your, your normal, if you raise your standard, you still put 
God first. So you come home, maybe on your drive home, you're listening to the word, you're listening to some a gospel song that encourages you. You come home, you embrace your family with love, you prepare for dinner. And instead of TV, you supplement TV with getting educated on developing new skills or creating a business that requires skills. So you're still in the realm of growing. Now you're supplementing that hour and a half, two hours of saying, well, this is a time because I've been working all day. This is a time I need to relax. No. When you raise your standards, you have a desire, you have an outcome, and you're working towards that. Because when you get there, imagine replacing the nine to five. Now you have a different outlook on your life. But it took you raising your standard at home or your standard in relationships or your standard with money in order for that to materialize. You want to work towards excellence, not perfection. That's also a misconstrued understanding in Christianity is that people think that you have to be perfect. And that is not true. None of us are perfect. That's why God died for our sins, because we have a sinful nature and we are going to sin. And therefore, we need to repent from that sin. But what we can work towards is excellence, the quality of being outstanding. I can be outstanding as a father. I can be outstanding as a business partner, as a lover and husband, as a community member. I can be outstanding if I level and raise my standards high enough. You can too. But you have to make the decision to and then immerse yourself into an environment where that's expected of you. No participation trophies here, right? We're in the game to win and and level up our spiritual relationship. Time for our two-minute recap. You ready? Let's go. First thing in our two-minute recap, we need to master the Kingdompreneur Mentor Formula. What is that formula? Faith plus skills times belief equals an unfair advantage in relationship with God. Time for our two-minute recap. You ready? Let's go. First thing in our two-minute recap, we need to master the Kingdompreneur Mentor Formula. What is that formula? Faith plus skills times belief equals an unfair advantage in relationship with God. Period. You want that unfair advantage? That's the formula to get it. When you start experiencing the unfair advantage, then you're going to be compelled to want to share with other people. And that's what we really want. It's leaders helping develop more leaders, unifying the body, helping the body grow. And I really hope this was really beneficial for you. Number two, believe you are worth the effort to achieve it. You have to get to a place that you're worth it. And that's not always easy for people to do when they are always in the past. When they're looking at what's happened, what they've experienced, what it did to them. They're driving, looking in the rearview mirror, right? That's unsafe. You have to get like a, become like a child where you have long-term vision, short-term memory. <laughs> Some of you have short vision, long-term memory, and that's stopping you from moving forward. So if anything I can recommend, get a long-term vision, short-term memory. I, I don't remember all the stuff that happened in my childhood that wasn't favorable or in adulthood, but what I do know is where I'm going where God wants me to be and what the outcome will be like when I get there. Number three, this is why you need to make sure you subscribe, get out on our notifications. Our podcast also is on Apple and, and the podcast networks. Because when we drop the announcement that we're going to open up our 12-month mentoring program, Kingdompreneur Mentoring Mentorship Program, you're going to dive in because imagine this conversation we've had in less than an hour, but now we're experiencing it over 12 months where we're focused on fitness, financial, I mean, uh, physical, spiritual, mental fitness, faith, really building these muscles, finance, both personal and business so that you can aggregate capital, deploy millions of dollars, no matter where you're at in your life, we, I can show you how. The team can show you how. And then once you get past that, then you got to think about too is your family. Building the God's family. Like we've allowed so much to happen to disrupt families. 
Families aren't staying together. It's, just, it's a challenging season, but we want to help strengthen the family. We want to help you produce great assets coming out of your family. Those children that are going to go in and be positive, productive, and contributing you know, citizens in the kingdom. We want to help you develop that to bridge any gaps. Anything that you're, like you said, your unbelief or your value system has, you know, blind you from being able to put certain attributes into your children. We want to make sure we get back to God's family and build that up. All right, so let's go into our seven key takeaways. Number one, challenge your status quo. So what's normal to you, what's acceptable to you, let's challenge that. What does that mean? Meaning, if right now what's normal to you is making 100000 a year, let's challenge on how we're going to make a million a year. That's an example. If what's normal to you is to only kiss your spouse once a day, let's challenge that where you kiss your spouse four or five times a day. Hug three or four times a day. Whatever it is, your status quo, let's challenge to be beyond that status quo. That's the first step to growth is just getting beyond what your norm is. Number two. Replay this message. Hearing it once is not enough. Play it again. Play it again. Each time you play it, you're going to extract new value. New value. New value. So play it again. Number three, share it. If you feel like this was valuable to you, it's going to be valuable to other people. Stamp your endorsement on why they need to listen to this. Take this message serious. Why they need to internalize this formula and put this formula to work in their life. Number four, faith comes from hearing. So while you, by replaying this, it's going to help you strengthen your faith. By listening to encouraging messages on YouTube or when you're at church, hearing it consistently. Replace the noise that's not building it. Replace that. Number five, belief comes from evidence. And we talked about conviction. Evidence and conviction. So the moment you put in the work and it produces an outcome, you're going to submit belief because you, you witnessed it. You have experienced it. And so therefore you can stand firm in it. It doesn't take much. That's why God says even the smallest mustard seed, you can move them. You can tell the mountain to move and it will move, but you have to have a conviction with that faith. Not just, I, I said I have faith, but no conviction. Number six, be bold. Be ye not afraid. Be bold. That's all I can tell you. Be bold. And whatever you do moving forward right now, just be bold. Take on some risk. Don't, because more likely what you discern as risk is not really risk. It's just fear in you. We want to, you know, dismantle that and move into a, a firm uh, faith measure. And you need to do that through being bold. And number seven, it won't be easy. But I promise you it will be worth it. So again, thank you for spending time with me. I felt like we had a wonderful conversation. Please leave comments, thoughts, ideas. And I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue on this journey and wrapping up the month with Building Faith Under Pressure. And let me know what this did for you. If you saw value, please donate too. You know, we're a nonprofit. And so that, that helps us. That helps the mission. That helps us support what it is that we're doing, the production, Unfortunately, none of these things are free. But we do know that having a faithful community, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So thank you for your support. Have a wonderful day. KM family, what an incredible episode we just experienced on today's show, packed with wisdom and enlightenment. Remember, please subscribe to our newsletter, podcast, and YouTube channel for the best results. In addition, you can contribute to Kingdompreneur Mentor by commenting, requesting topics, or emailing us. And if you desire a deeper relationship with Kingdompreneur Mentor, visit our website at www.kingdompreneurmentor.org and learn more about our courses, masterclasses, and live events. We pray that God's favor goes before you and prospers your way and that people go out of their way to bless you.